Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. And we started last week over in the book of Genesis. You don't have to turn there right now. Let me say something to you about uh, uh, my own ministry that may help you. I think that other than the Lord Jesus Christ, I probably know more about my own ministry than anyone else. <laughs> Pretty not, not too hard to figure out. Amen. Now, years ago, actually I'd been in ministry for five years, so this would have been the, uh, the fall of 1989, which would have been my third trip to the nation of Ireland. Now, for the first five years of ministry, uh, I, you know, I'd go to preachers' meetings and everybody wanted to know how many apostles were here, how many prophets were here, how many pastors and teachers and evangelists. And I really never, you know, I just really never laid, laid claim to any office of ministry knowing that I was just called to preach. Amen. And so it was in Ireland that the Lord did something very supernatural. And in that supernatural event, the Lord spoke to me and said, now I've put a, a teaching gift in you. Well, I didn't understand that. I didn't know what that meant. I, I, I thought, okay, I just knew in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 that it talked about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And so I, didn't, I really didn't tell anybody about that for many years. And uh, I just kind of bumped along and flowed along. But all of a sudden, oh, it would seem like it was about two years after that at a Christmas event at my parents' home, the Lord gave me something by what the Word calls revelation. Now, revelation is different than study. You can, you can study. I study the Word of God. I, I like to, I've been a student of the Word of God for 35 years. I, I listen to messages. I study. I have notebooks. I have notes. I do all types of uh, 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 investigation into the Word of God. I look at historical things, you know. I mean, that's what any uh, minister should do. And, uh, but the, primarily the, the messages that I have taught over the years that have had the most impact on congregations, on nations, on other places that we've gone and taught and preached have been by revelation, where God just gives me revelation. You say, how does that happen? I don't know. One minute you don't know it, and the next minute you do. I mean, that's really the only explanation that I have. One minute you don't know it, the next minute you know, you know it. It has been revealed unto you. And that happened to me this week, literally began to happen to me as I began to drive home after last week's service when we begin to study uh, 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 Eve in the Garden of Eden and how she was deceived by the adversary and how that literally caused the fall of mankind. Now, I'm going to use some words, and I've gotten some words and definitions, but I want, I want us to see some things today. That's why I'm glad we've got some, a little bit of extra time, maybe 10 extra minutes before it, it's about, we always try to get out about 12.15 or 12.20. So we've got a little bit of extra time. But I believe if you'll listen uh, with a heart to hear today, you may hear some things that may greatly help you in your faith, keep you out of fear, doubt, and unbelief, and keep you on the path that God has for you. Not only that, keep our church on the right path that God has for us. Amen. Now, if you will, a couple of scriptures I want us to look at. First of all, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to lift some scriptures kind of out of their setting and, and look at them kind of in a different light. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's just begin there in verse 6. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Everybody say due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, here's what I wanted us to see there in verse 8. Be sober. Everybody say, be sober. Be sober. Say it again. Be sober. 
Now, in reality, 1 Peter chapter 5 is not written to Joe's Bar and Grill. <laughs> it's written to the church, amen? And so he's telling the church to be sober. And this is not Peter's exhortation not to drink alcohol or smoke dope or do anything like that. He's actually uh, addressing some of the things that are going on during his time, which was causing men and women that were being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost to lose their sobriety. Namely, what it was, was what was called the Judaizers that were coming in behind the people teaching and preaching the gospel, which was causing great liberty. And these Judaizers were coming in and putting the bondage of the old covenant upon them. So he had to say to them, be sober. Don't get under the influence of that. Amen. Now, go from there to Romans... Go, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Everybody say soberly. Well, there's that same word in another form, but literally what the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome is saying this, you can't get under the influence of yourself. Now, could you imagine how he had to deal with that in Rome? Do you think there were some people in Rome that could have been kind of full of themselves? I believe there were, amen, goes from the top down. Most of the people were. So here we're exhorted and informed in Romans chapter 12 that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith or the measure of faith, but for us not to think more highly of ourselves than we are, but to think soberly. Everybody say soberly. Now I've learned over the years one of the greatest efforts in faith and in my Christian walk is to maintain my sobriety and not get under the influence of events, of what people say, of what happens and what goes on, of what we see or we don't see. I, I do my best not to get influenced by, by, by the church when it's full or when it's empty. When the, when the, when the, when the offerings are, are loaded with money and when there's no offering. I do my best to stay sober. Everybody say, say stay sober. Now, in understanding that, I, for 18 years... 18 solid years, uh, I, uh, I was in ministry and, and we traveled and, and, and some of my greatest, my greatest projects were pastors. And that's one of the reasons I didn't want to pastor a church because a lot of my pastor friends just, you know, most of them were just, uh, I mean, they just went through all this drama in their churches. I thought, my God, how can this kind of stuff go on? And then I started pastoring. I remember a pastor said this to me, and I, I couldn't relate to it years ago, but I, I can relate to it now. He said, you know, I grew up in a, in a good home, and, I, and, and my parents were not, you know, they weren't full gospel, but they were, we, we attend a certain denominational church. And, and he said, you know, I got saved when I was about 16 years old, and, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost in my mid-20s and began to serve the Lord. And he said, you know, I, I uh, got called to pastor. I was about 20, uh, I think he said he was about 28 or 29 years old. He said, I began to pastor. He said, after 10 years of pastoring, he said, I I come to the realization, he said, no, nobody really ever hated me until I started pastoring. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, man, when he told me that, I said, oh my God, what do you mean by that? So he began to relay some stories and some incidents that went on. But listen, here's the thing. 
God is the one who starts churches. People don't do that out of their own ambition and out of their own, well, I just think it's a good idea for me to go do that. People that do that, their churches don't last very long. The, the statistics tell us that the average church that is founded or started by an individual, that the life of that church is usually only two years. That about 65 to 75% of churches fail within the first two years. Well, thank God we're 17 years into it. Amen. So we've got a little bit of history, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, experience in what we're doing. But in this scripture here, we see, you can go to Genesis chapter 3, and let me just read through it, and let me, because if I read through it, I think you'll get the impact of what, of what the Lord is trying to tell us here. Verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3 says, The serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. It says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? And he said, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me to be with me, she gave of the tree, and I did eat. Now we could go on from there and talk about all the curse that came on humanity. But let me say this. This was not God's intention. Amen? This was not God's intention whatsoever. It was not God's intention to create a race of people and for that race of people to fall into, uh, to fall into the curse of the enemy of God and the enemy of heaven and to live for thousands and thousands of years, uh, thousands and thousands of years under that curse, even the curse of, of spiritual, physical, and eternal death. That's, that was, listen, that was not God's intention. That shows you, <laughs> now, now that's God. That shows you that some of the people with the best intentions in the world, sometimes it does not work out that way. Amen. Now, I speak for Lee and I as pastors of Island Church and for many of the other pastors that I know. I've never met a pastor who did not start a church, build a church, and maintain a church with the right intention. I never heard anybody say, well, you know, I'm going to start this church. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rip all these people off of their money. I'm going to live big. I'm gonna, now, there may have been some out there, but I don't know any of them. Most people that pastor churches have the intention of everyone in that church being blessed, of everyone in that church being uh, healed if they're sick in their body, blessed financially. It's kind of like what I like to call the garden that God begins. Amen? But you know, into every garden creeps a snake. 
And we started last week with, 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 with a word, and I just studied this out and looked at it. But this week, the Lord came and talked to me and gave me revelation to help me understand literally what took place in this garden and that the devil hadn't changed in 6,000 years. And if you're not aware of his devices and how he does things and how he operates, then I guarantee you he's going to get you out of your, quote, garden and get you into a place you don't want to be. Amen? Now, we saw last week, we started with this, that this illegal entity came in, came into the Garden of Eden and began to influence, everybody say influence, began to influence the woman. We can talk about all the things that were illegal about it. He did not have the right to come in that way. He usurped the spiritual authority that God had placed in the garden. He did all kinds of things that were wrong, but that's what the devil is. He is wrong. He does not play right. He does not play fair. He is a criminal spirit and a criminal entity, and you've got to understand that he wants to do everything he can do to take you out because you are a potential threat to him. If you keep hearing the Word, if you keep walking by faith, if you keep speaking the Word, praying in the Spirit, coming to church, supporting missions, He knows you're going to do your part to help wipe the darkness off of this earth and cause the light to come, and men and women are going to be loosed from His grasp and put into the hands of God. Listen, He fights that with every fiber of His being. So he wants to bring an influence into you. Legally or illegally, he does his best to try to usurp the influence of God. God's influence was manifest. God's influence was clear in those first two chapters. And when God spoke to the man and said, listen, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat. You can eat of the tree of life. But there's one tree. Don't eat it because in the day that you eat it, you shall die. Now, that's an absolute. And the thing is, God deals with absolutes. He is truth. He doesn't just choose to speak the truth. Everything that comes out of his mouth is truth. It is absolute. In creation, everything is... I mean, you don't go to bed tonight thinking, man, you know, I sure hope the sun comes up in the morning. Nobody even considers that. You say, why? Because your entire life, it comes up in the east, it sets in the west. It's hot in the summer, it's cool in the winter. That's just the absolutes and the realities of creation. Amen? So here comes this, this entity in, and he comes to the woman, and he begins to influence her. Now, we, you know, we looked at influence last week. Influence is the power of causing an effect... A the, the power of causing an effect in an indirect or an intangible way. Now let me say that again. It's the power of causing an effect in an indirect or intangible way. Now listen, all kinds of entities in the world use influence. Influence is bought and sold. Influence is peddled. Influence is an amazing force. It's used in education. It's used in sports. I, I tell you one of the number one things it's used in is advertising. Don't you know every advertisement you see on, on, the, on the TV is influence. You know, we were, we were laughing, Lee and I, uh, in, in Europe, when we were in Europe here a couple of weeks ago, uh, every, every commercial on, on TV in Europe has to do with gambling. It does. I mean, you know, play this game, uh, go to this casino, do this and that. It's all about gambling. I mean, we didn't see one pharmaceutical commercial <laughs> on TV. You say, why? Because obviously they're trying to get all their population into the gambling joints. 
They're trying to influence them. Come in, the odds are this, the odds are that. We have this kind of payoff, we have that kind of payoff. It shows all these happy people coming out with waving all these euros. Everybody's happy, everybody's winning. Well, come on. They're trying to influence you. Amen. What are they trying to influence us here to do in America? They're trying to influence us to take some pill that the side effects, you're going to have a big horn grow out your head, your ears are going to grow, amen. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have, your feet are gonna get webbed, and if, if, and if it's a real bad effect, you're gonna die. How many of you heard that? I mean, that's just what, by whatever. I don't know why they're trying to get us all on some kind of a pill. Amen. I like the gospel. Amen. That's the, that's the best one to get on. So here comes this influence into the garden. Now, it, that's not God's intention. God's not. God's. It's not His intention that that influence be there. It's not his intention that that, that that snake come to that woman. It's not his intention. But see, the enemy is using his influence. Now, you go back and you study the adversary. You study him in Ezekiel. You study him in Isaiah. You study him in the Gospels and that which Jesus said about him. This, this guy, Lucifer, this guy, Satan, he's messed up. I mean, he's messed up. He's a created being that obviously got so full of himself, he thought he could usurp God's authority, power, and position. He said, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to sit on the sides of the north. He said, you know, uh, the Bible says he was corrupted by the reason of his merchandise. He said he was covered with all types of beautiful stones. And, you know, he saw God, he saw God, then he saw himself, and iniquity was formed or found on the inside of him. And iniquity is the motivation to sin. And there's one thing about sin, is sin has a power to influence. Amen? The first beer I ever drank, I drank because somebody influenced me to do it. The first time I ever smoked a joint, I did it because somebody influenced me to do it. Come on. The first cigarette I ever smoked, I did it because... Come on, church. Somebody influenced me. To do it. There are all kinds of people. There are all kinds of things. There are all kinds of entities in our life that influence us. But you have to understand, if you're going to live safe, if you're going to live blessed, if you're going to live under that which God has for you, you're going to have to let the main source of influence be God's Word, God's Spirit, God's blessing, and God's anointing. And let me tell you, that is the fight of faith that we fight. So here comes, here comes, this, here comes this entity influencing this woman. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden. We may eat of the, uh, said unto the woman, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now that's a lie. Amen. Now this is, this literally is what I like to call the effect of influence or what influence is aimed at. Influence is aimed at you just about every day and just about every endeavor in life to change your perspective. Amen? Now here she is in this pristine garden. There's no sin. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no aging. Hallelujah. There's no taxes. There's no currency. There's, not, there's, there's nothing but the presence and the glory of God's creation. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Now, he tries to use his influence to change her, what I like to call, tree perspective. How many trees do you think were in the garden? Bunch of them. 
One, one tree that you could go and just live under and eat off of all you wanted to, and that's called the tree of life. Could you think what that must have been like to be able to just live under that tree? But then there's one tree, one tree in the garden that God said, don't touch it, don't eat it, don't, dig, don't get near it, because if you do it, you're going you're gonna to die. You're going to go into spiritual death. That's going to lead to physical death, which is going to lead to eternal death. Don't do it. So here comes this enemy who had already done it. He had already eaten it. He had already eaten that tree. Amen. He knows he has the knowledge of good and evil, and he's bringing an evil influence into this woman's life. And he's doing it in order to change the perspective of this woman when it comes to the creation of that which God has done for her. Now, let me tell you, that's why you've got to be so careful about who and what you let influence you. Because who or what you let influence you can radically change your perspective. Your, your perspective. And when your perspective gets changed, you don't see things the way you should see things. Listen, the positive side of this is every Sunday, every Wednesday night, in our Sunday school classes, for your children, for our teenagers, for our young adults, for everyone, for the nations of the world that we go to, in our conferences, in everything we're doing, we're doing our best to influence you with the Word of God in order to change your perspective. So that you don't see yourself as a poor old sinner saved by grace. You don't see yourself as poor trying to get rich. You don't see yourself as sick trying to get healed. You see yourself as the blessed of Almighty God in His inheritance, living in that which God has provided for you in Christ Jesus. On the other side of that, your adversary is doing everything he can do to influence you in a negative direction. He don't want you in this church. He don't want you listening to the Word of God. He don't want you doing anything that would cause you to continue to rise up and demonstrate his defeat in the earth. Now notice. Let me show you her perspective changed. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Now, what's the correct... Look, here we are. We're Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and the woman in the garden. What, what is the right perspective? What's our right perspective? This is it. Stay away from that tree. Stay away. I don't know if it's a good or bad tree, but God said, don't touch it. Don't get near it. So here's the thing. Let's don't even look that way. Let's don't think about it. So let's have a little Bible study here. A woman and man, let's have a little Bible study. Let's talk about trees. We've got the tree of life. We've got the, wow, I love the coconut tree. I love the, the fig tree. I love the walnut tree. And since one day there's going to be Texas, we love the pecan tree. Amen. And so all these trees, we love them. We like their fruit. We eat their fruit. We love their shade. We like their flowers. Oh, man, look at all these trees. And maybe even the man or the one. Well, what about that tree? No, we're not talking about that tree. That, that's not our perspective. Our perspective is all these other trees that are ours, that we can freely partake of, that we can have anything, as much pecans as we want to eat, as much coconut as we want to eat, as many tangerines as we want to eat. All these trees. But what about that tree? No, no. We, that's not our perspective. That's not the way we see it. Amen. So, all of a sudden, influence comes in and perspective changes. Now, perspective. Let me, let me go to that. Perception is a mental image or an observation. 
Now, influence comes to paint a mental image or observation. Amen? Now, if there's deception in that, then the mental image or observation is going to be distorted. And the enemy, your adversary, is going to always help you with that picture. Now, let me, let me show you it in the Word. Here it goes. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Before that, the enemy said, there in verse 5, For God doth know, in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be God's, knowing good and evil. Notice, he did not mention you're going to die. So his influence brought a distorted perception in which he amplified by verse 5, which caused the woman to do what? Everybody say, eyes and desire. Do you know what that is? That's the flesh. The influence of the adversary, which changed her perception, got her out of the spirit and into the flesh. Listen, if you can stay out of the flesh, you can stay out of trouble. Has anybody ever learned that besides me? Get in the flesh, get in trouble. Stay out of the flesh, stay out of trouble. Get in the flesh, get in trouble. Stay out of the flesh, stay out of trouble. ABC's of faith right there. Amen. So her perspective has changed. She's not seeing the correct mental image and now she's yielding to a ba her baser nature, her flesh, her feelings, her desires. Now, influence is designed to change perception in order or it leads to persuasion. Because you'll never do anything that you're not persuaded to do. Now listen. Satan, this is, I don't care whose church you go to, who you listen to, this is the bottom line. Satan influenced the, cre the, the creation who change their perspective and because of that, they were persuaded that to eat of the tree was okay. That had to, now listen to me, church, you got to get this. If you don't get this, you're going to miss this whole thing today. This is God... In the garden. This is God in the garden with His creation. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now can you imagine how loyal, how, 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 how devoted you could be to your God in your garden on your planet in His creation. And here comes this stinking entity who is the father of lies, into the garden with his influence. And he is so powerful that he can influence the creation in the pristine environment of the garden, change their mental image of what God said about if you eat of the tree, and persuade them to eat of that tree. Amen? And they did it and entire humanity fell. Did you get that? So you think that you can just kind of bounce through life 
Come on, church. Without having the effects of that same devil who did the same, who's trying to do the same thing to you, but you do have advantages over creation. That's why God, through salvation, put His Spirit in you. That's why through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost in baptismal, baptismal marriage, He put the Spirit on you. Because He knew if I can get in them and on them by my Spirit, and if they did not have my Word, they would not have a chance let me, let, me, let me illustrate to you. I'm not going to illustrate it by going through a bunch of illustrations, but let me illustrate you. Israel didn't have a chance under their covenant. Thank God for David. Thank God for Solomon. Thank God for all the women. Listen, they were the ones that carried that seed of Abraham, but even when, even when Messiah was born, they were a nation of occupation. They were occupied by Rome. They didn't have their own nation. They just couldn't keep it together with rules and regulations and laws. And even though God would bring them great grace and great mercy, they still just could not do it. You say, why? God did not have access to the real core of who they were. He was alienated and estranged from them. They were alienated and estranged from Him. And that was the dilemma of the Old Covenant. That's why we see such radical drama happen when it comes to interaction between God and His covenant servants because they were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the servants of God. But i got good news, church. You're not a servant of God. You're a child of God. God has put His DNA. He has put the part of Himself that is in you. I tell you, there's, there's other words you can use that are a little more graphic than some people use, but it was His own reproductive ability that has caused you to be born again, and you're not born of corruptible things. You're born of that which is uncorruptible. But if you do not guard what influences you, it's going to change your perspective. And your perspective being changed will cause you to become persuaded. And you will always act on what you're persuaded by. And it can bring you to ruination. We were, we were, we had gotten a little uh, piece of property over on 45th Street. And uh, uh, the end of it there, I don't know how many square feet it was, was owned by a, by a, a builder here on the island. Uh, they, they're still here on the island, people that we know. And so we needed that. We needed that piece of property. And so I went over and talked to him about it. And he was, well, you know, preacher, I, I got to have $5,000 for all my improvements. So I just went and got him a check and brought it back. He's like, ooh, we'll be out in 30 days. So uh, uh, someone I knew, uh, uh, we, we hired them to begin the process of, of expanding our auditorium a little bit and uh, uh, adding on to some of our facilities so we could house more children, have more, have more kids in children's church. And so this process went on, process went on. And one week on a Monday, uh, this contractor, he came to me and he said, now I need to bring my cousin to work. I said, that's fine, but you pay him out of what I'm paying you. Because I was paying him, paying him pretty good. He's coming working every day. I said, you just pay him out of what I'm paying you. Yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. And so at Friday he came and he said, now, I, I need to get a paycheck for my, for my cousin. And I said, no, I told you I was going to pay you out of, uh, out of what, you know, you were going to pay him out of what you were making. He says, no, well, I don't care what we said. I, I need a paycheck for my cousin. I said, oh, yeah? I could tell his perspective had changed. His perspective had changed. 
Amen. And so I said, you know, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to write you a paycheck. You can pay him out of your pay. Well, this person exploded. He had an emotional, uh, what do you call it, sudden rush of emotions. So I said, well, hold on just a minute. So I went in and we had agreed for a certain amount of money for him to, to, to finish it, you know, for, for me to pay him to finish it. So I went in and I cut him a check for that amount of money and I, and I cut him a bonus check. And I said, here you go. See you later. Well, you thought, yeah, I, I thought that was an explosion. You should have seen that explosion. Amen. But the problem of it was, is this man who had potential to serve God, who actually had been raised in church and loved the Lord, lived his life out in the most negative way. And thank God, I believe he's in heaven now. I trust he's in heaven now. But he never did enjoy any of the fruits of what it meant to be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and living by faith, because his life was a pattern of influence, perspective, and persuasion. And it just grieved me so. I heard, I heard that he'd passed away several weeks ago. And it just grieved me so to think about a life being wasted in which things come into your life continually that influence you to change your perspective, that you're persuaded that something is not what it is. What the enemy brought to the woman was a lie. Amen? And don't you think your adversary knows how to dress lies up? If lies were seen in the spirit for what they really are, there would be these hideous, horrible, grotesque monsters that are coming to eat you and eat your faith and eat your health and get your finances and get you out of your church and get you out of your place and get you away from the people that God has loving you around you. But God, He doesn't dress them up like that. He dresses them up. And it's always in such a way that you think this shall benefit me. Now, how's my time? I'm doing good. I'm going to be able to get this done. Is this helping anybody? To persuade is to move by argument or entreaty to an adherence or to a belief or to a position that leads to a course of action. What you're persuaded by, you're going to act on. The Bible says of Abraham, he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now this is the process that you must live in, in which the influence of God brings into your life a new perspective, and you come to the place in your life in which you're fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded that I'm healed. I know I'm healed. I'm fully persuaded that I'm prosperous. I know I'm prosperous. I'm fully persuaded. All the blessings of God, and you've got to value that, and you've got to guard that with your life. And you've got to understand that any encroachment into that is the activity of your devil, of your devil, of the devil. (laughs) Might be your devil, I don't know. (laughs) Of the devil. Trying to get you out of the place you're supposed to be. Now, here's here's the kicker. Every one of us influence people. We're all influencers. There are people that influence us. There are people that we influence. And, this brings it right back around to the offering. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man or woman soweth, that shall he also reap. You say, what do you mean by that? You've got to make sure that that which you're being influenced by is pure, 
is righteous, is holy, and that which you're influencing others with is the same thing that you're being influenced by. Because any adjustment in that, you open the door for you to be the branch that the snake hangs on. Amen. Now, last closing. Verse 5, one more time. For God doth know in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This was the thing right here that caused her to go from perception to persuasion. And that was the statement of God knows. God knows. Notice how the enemy always includes God's in the, God in his conversation with, with the, the initial uh, coming against the word, all that kind of stuff. So what, what he's really saying is that I'm not trying to give you my perspective, but this is what the, the, the enemy is telling her is this. God has put something in the garden that's, that makes you better than what you are. Now he knows that, so what he's really doing is holding you back to keep you in a position of submission and as a weaker individual, weaker person, weaker part of the creation. Because he knows if you really eat that, you're going to be just like him. Knowing good and evil. So what God really is, is he's really not the benevolent creator that you think he is. He's a puppet master. Well, who's the real puppet master? It's Satan. The only liberty you'll ever get, and I've heard this so many times, I don't know how many times I can, can rehearse it of men in, in the penitentiary getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and making the declaration that I'm freer in this penitentiary than I ever was when I walked out on the street because I got free by the Word of God and the power of His Spirit. Amen? But see, that's exactly what the enemy was doing, was to change not the, not the perspective of the tree, but the perspective of God. I mean, it shows up. Where does, where does the same thing? Every seed reproduces after its own kind. Where does it show back of it? It's the woman you gave. You gave. You gave. He's not blaming the woman. Who's he blaming? Now, Adam's perspective of his God has changed and of his woman has changed. <laughs> you wonder why we're such a mess. Thank God Jesus got us out of that mess. But the devil has not changed tactics in 6,000 years. Amen? And there's people all over America, all over Texas, all over Galveston, Galveston County, that have, that have gone to churches like this one. And when you talk to them about their experience, it's very, very negative. Well, that's not our intention. I said, that's not our intention. I, if, if I had the time to tell you of all the bills we've paid, cars we've bought, groceries we've bought, all, you, you name it, we've tried to do everything we can do to help people. But see, the enemy always comes into the place that God has created in order to bring an influence that will cause a different perception and that will persuade people. This ain't right. This ain't God. This is wrong. I'm telling you, this is... And you, if you don't guard yourself of that, then you're just going to be a ping pong ball. You'll never find anybody, any place, or anything. Because nobody... Uh, one, one church I preached in, I remember going back there and, and, and hearing some people talk about... I was in a conference or something, and, and hearing some people talk about this pastor in this church. And I just told him, I said, that's not true. What you're saying is not true. And they said, well, you don't know what's been going on. I said, let me tell you something. I know them, and that is not true. And they just kind of got real red in the face, turned around and walked off. Now, let me just say this. There are ways of doing things everywhere you go. 
their way the, the, in America. We do things the American way. I mean, we can make it a national statement. We can make it a, a, a regional statement. Now, we're, we're, tech, we're good old Texans. There's, they're just the way Texans do things, you know. And then there's, there's always Galveston is famous for this one. That's the way we do things in Galveston. Well, I don't want to do things the American way. I don't want to do things the Texas way. And I definitely don't want to do things the Galveston way. I want to do things God's way. And if you do not make a decision that your garden is worth it, and you say, what is your garden? Your family, your home, your church, the, uh, the, the information you get here, the spirituality of what we do, all that you... If you, if you say, well, I, I don't know, then the enemy's going to find a branch to come hang on. And he's going to start the influence process. And the influence process can literally be exacerbated by all kinds of things. Your perspective of what you hear changes. The perspective of what you see changes. All kinds of things change. Amen. I, I was so shocked though, the past couple of weeks that people left our church because of the baby bottles. The baby bottles left our church. Wrote bad letters. Listen, abortion is not a political issue in our church. It is a moral issue in our hearts. Well, some people don't just see it that way. That's exactly right. Their perspective is wrong. I'll give you scripture after scripture after scripture in the Word of God that talks about how we need to protect the innocent and how valuable life is. Amen? And as soon as your perception changes, you're persuaded. Ain't nothing you can do about that. Except make sure that which is truly valuable to you is protected and you do not let any influence come in. And you ought to ask God, Lord, let me see, hear, and know when I'm being negatively influenced. I, was, I had something sent to me on my phone the other day and I pushed it and it was a deal in which they were talk, you know, talking about the faith preachers again, talking about the pro- and I listened to it and I thought, no, no, I'm, I'm cutting this off. This is not right. This, I'm not listening to this. Amen. This is a negative influence right here. Amen. And it was trying to, you know, paint some picture of a, of, a, of, a, of a minister that I know as a criminal. And he's not a criminal. Actually, he's a very good man of God with a great heart of benevolence that gives millions of dollars every year. But there's a lot of influence out there that doesn't like that. And they'll come all dressed up in all kinds of ways trying to influence you. Now... The greatest perpetrator of this crime against redemption. Now listen to me very carefully. The greatest perpetrator of this crime against the redemptive power that God has wrought for us in Christ. Leah read the scripture this morning when you raised him from the dead. Demonstration of its power. The greatest perpetrator of influence, the change of perception and persuasion against what God has done for us in Christ is religion. And religion will get up and men will dress in nice suits or put on collars and tell you that God does not heal, does not save, does not set free, that does not deliver. Listen, this is hell itself in manifestation. And they revel and hold high carnival 
over doctrines that pull all of the life and power of God out of His Word and relegate us to just little bugs running around on the planet subject only to the sovereignty of God as a puppet master which says He'll do this sometimes and do that other times and do that. It is not true. It is a lie. God loves people. God still saves. God still heals. God still delivers. God still sets people free. God still loves people. And God is still in manifestation in the earth today in His life and in His power. And we need to recognize that and realize that and guard our hearts with all diligence. The Bible says why? For out of it comes the issues of life. And all of these negative, as soon as the snake crawls on the branch, you saw off the branch and you holler, snake, 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 snake. So everybody knows that a snake tried to crawl into your garden. Amen. You know, some of the ranches that I hunt on, they won't let you kill rattlesnakes anymore. And I don't like rattlesnakes. I've seen what they can do. And man, I've walked through the brush and you, those big, those big ones, those ones that get about five, six feet and get about that big around, they've been dining on rabbits their whole life, you know. They start that slow route. Mm-mm, that makes me jump, run. But now many of the ranches that I hunt on, they say, no, you can't kill rattlesnakes anymore. We're like, why? Because so many hogs have eaten them that there's not many of them left. That rattlesnakes are becoming a rare commodity in South Texas. But, yeah, I agree, hallelujah. But here's another phenomenon. Here's the point I want to make. Many of the older snakes that they're finding now have quit rattling. They don't rattle anymore. You say, why? Because every time they rattle, the, the, the hogs come and eat the whole den. So they've quit rattling. So snakes have an ability to change their mode of operation. So next time you're walking through the brush of life, do what I did. I invested in a nice pair of snake boots. I'm going to wear them to church. When I get them, they should be ready this month. I'm going to wear them to church. I'm going to have on my snake boots. You say, why? Because them snakes have changed their mode of operation, and I'm not going to let them crawl into my world. Amen? You love the Lord? Give the Lord a shout. Did that help you this morning? Father, thank you so much for your word. That the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. That forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Father, we thank you. We do have something creation did not have. Although they lived in your presence, your presence did not live in them. We thank you this day. Your presence lives in us. They were innocent, but we are righteous. And we thank you, Lord, because of that. We can allow your influence, the divine nature, as it says in 1 Peter. We can be partakers of the precious promises of God. Have the right perspective. That we can see ourselves. We can see the church. We can see one another. And we can see the world through the correct light of the gospel. So that we can be the blessing that we're called to be. We thank you for it, Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. Father, now we worship you today and we glorify your name for you're such a good God of blessing, a good God of protection, and we declare over the entire church, the entire summer, Psalms 91.
No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. And Father, we declare that this entire summer, your hand of protection and blessing shall be upon us. Lord, as we go on vacation, as we go on missions trips, as we travel to see loved ones and friends, we thank you, Lord God, also in our, in our, in our just our righteous labor and that which we do in everyday life, that whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are protected, we are blessed, and we are kept by the goodness of God. Father, we thank you also the righteous labor that we handle during the summer. Lord, construction, out in the ocean, the medical branch, the oil patch, wherever we may work, whatever we may do, Lord God, we thank you that we're not subject to accidents, trauma. We're not subject to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We declare over our summer this, this year a great door of utterance that summertime is growing time. And Lord, as we preach the gospel here at the church, as we preach it over the internet, as we go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in, we thank you, Father, that people will come to Island Church, that they will make it their home, that they will grow in the grace and the admonition of God, and the momentum and glory of that which you desire, Lord, shall be realized in our midst. Father, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love toward you. We love you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.